Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Simon. Hello, I'm Ben. Welcome, Welcome to the last, to the last Wednesday, Wednesday of, of the week. Wednesday of the week. On this week's show, Simon gives us the pros and cons of NFL and NBA franchises in the UK, and Ben gives us a beginner's guide to esports. I have to say, Dan, I think that was the best one we've ever done of the intro. That was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. We say that every week, and every I week I'm pretty sure it's getting it. worse. It nailed it. Despite that, despite the fact that our intros are getting worse, we're either getting lazier because, you know, we're old hats at this, or we're just never going to be good at this, or it's the news that we are now listened to on four continents. <laughs> That's right. This podcast has had listeners on four different continents. Which continents? Four out of seven. That's pretty good, right? Which ones? Um, four of them. I have to say, I have to say, Dan, <laughs> when you were talking about uh, lazy. I, I, I assumed you were going to shoehorn in Malaysia as your um, <laughs> as like a, a it, really we... good punny thing, but I'm a little bit I disappointed. Am. Stop recording. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> we're either lazy or no, let's not do that. Um, so we are back anyway for your new favorite sports podcast. We're going to give you uh, our highlights of the week just gone, which we predicted was a bit of a quiet weekend. But actually, Ben, it's been anything but. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of things, our meaty middle, and then, of course, look to the week ahead, which, you know, I'm sure we'll predict as incredibly busy and then we'll, nothing will happen at all. But as with ever, if you have anything you want to disagree with, agree with, get involved in, join the conversation with us on Twitter at WednesdayPod, on Instagram at WednesdayPod, or leave a voice message on Anchor or like, subscribe, comment in all your usual places. So without further ado, on with the show, Ben... Tell us what's been tickling your TV screen. Oh, God, I've got nothing to follow that up. That was wasteful. Know, I <clears throat> don't have... I just clear my throat before the podcast goes. I don't have a television. Is that normal? Do you both have a television? What do you, what do you define as a TV these days, right? A laptop. Well, that, that's is what that I'm saying, though. What do you define as a telly? Oh, is that television? Well, I was able to watch on the laptop for the last 45 minutes as my beloved Liverpool got humbled in the weird uh, ace uh, Real Madrid training ground why their main uh, Bernabeu gets updated and uh, I mean humbled we are 2-0 down half time spoilers for anyone well, I already spoiled it um <laughs> hopefully we're going to come back in the second half um maybe I'll talk about it next week and you know I'm, I'm going to jump on I was going to talk about my love for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, Tell us about who that is, Ben. So Trent Alexander-Arnold is a 21-year-old prodigy who plays right fullback for Liverpool. Daniel, he's a defender, although not great at defending. He's more um, adept at going forward, but he's very good at going forward. There's no doubt he's one of the bright talents in world football. I think most people would agree on that. He is a bit suspect going uh, backwards, but he was left out of, um, this was uh, early last week, he was left out of Gareth Southgate's uh, England squad 
Um, and I've not written anything about him. I basically just wanted to sing his praises and talk about just how much I love this football player. Um, tonight, he just passed it to one of the Real Madrid players for their second goal. It's not good to watch. Uh, the streaming uh, comments that are coming up on BBC's excellent um, tech service are um, things like Trent has blown his chances of an England recall this evening. evening. Shocking. Uh, and another one, I was just about to come to the defense of Trent, then save me a few extra lines of text. Um, so, so Ben, um, to give some context in uh, what, what you're doing here is you, you're, you're very much taking up a bit of the mantle of the Murray Walker's commentator's curse. <laughs> You know, it's going to be a quiet weekend of sport ahead. Um, Trent is, uh, you know, it's a shame he didn't make it. And then, you know, Simon, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you, you're a keen uh, sports fan, well, <laughs> a keen football fan in terms of making it for England uh, for the squad or not. Well, all in all, I mean, all I can say is I am absolutely devastated that we didn't do this show or, or that the game was on the next day because it would have been amazing to have heard Ben's sterling <laughs> defence of Alexander-Arnold <laughs> only for him to then have to eat massive humble pie on next week's show. So we've kind of missed out on that. I'm sorry, listeners at home or wherever you are listening. Um you know, we haven't been able to hear Ben absolutely embarrass himself on, na- as we find out now, national podcast. International. International, <laughs> I should say. I I suck on four continents. Now, um, <laughs> this is not going well. One thing I would say, that this is the first time there's been a very large football match. When we've been doing the podcast, I want to get a shout out, um, you know, at least 10 points to myself there for dedication to the podcast while my team is getting humbled by Real Madrid in the quarterfinals. Um I don't know what the um, the the law regards around me giving you updates throughout the podcast. Is that allowed? I guess it's allowed because it's broadcast tomorrow. I, I don't think we we just don't want it either, Ben. To be fair. Oh well, you're gonna get it. Uh, now, <laughs> last weekend, let me let me dive on some positive news. Positive news. Underdogs. Okay, underdogs. We love an underdog in this country. Okay, uh, Jimmy White, Eddie the Eagle, um, Trent, other. Don't don't. No, no, Dan. Um, Leicester City, they were underdogs, 2016. Paul Potts, he was an underdog. Okay, that's that what this country loves, and we had some massive results. Uh, first and foremost, uh, North Macedonia won a football match against Germany away as well. Not that uh, away matches mean a huge amount at the moment without any fans, uh, but they stunned Germany in a World Cup qualifying game, winning 2-1. Uh, Germany, of course, four-time world champions. Uh, The first loss for Germany in a World Cup qualifier for 20 years uh, since the memorable England game. Uh, Simon will remember that one. 5-1. Absolutely epic football match. Now, North Macedonia, fantastic for the underdogs. What a result. Um, not great, obviously, for Germany, but it's only a qualifier. It's probably not going to hinder their qualification progress, in all honesty. Uh, North Macedonia will be at the Euros because they qualified through the Nation- Nations League. So this year, the delayed 2020 Euro champ- European Championships, uh, we're going to have North, Mac- North Macedonia there. A team to watch, an underdog team that could be just fantastic fun to watch. Um, more underdog for the weekend. West Bromwich Albion spanked, that's the exact word to describe this game, Chelsea 5-2 at Stamford Bridge. Um, I 
tuned in only after they got uh, they were one 0 up and they got their best player sent off, Chelsea Thiago Silva. Then I tuned in because I thought that might be interesting to watch. You know, ten men games. Sometimes you just defend, you look after it, and they just got humiliated, destroyed by West Brom. West Brom are just not very good. Sorry to any. Uh, Midlanders that are upset with that, uh, but they're just not that good a team, in all honesty. They don't score many goals, and they just humbled this expensively assembled Chelsea side. Um, and it was great for Liverpool. It was great because of the underdogs. Um, Simon, did you watch the game, the Chelsea match? Well, I actually um, watched the highlights just because I thought it'd be a good laugh. And I was I was pleasantly surprised. Well, not pleasantly surprised. I was uh, proved right in the end. It was absolutely hilarious. So um, one thing we haven't mentioned so far, that in both of those games, there was a sighting of the ghost of Timo Werner. Um, so we can... <laughs> <laughs> so we can say you're going to have to elaborate a little bit on that. Timo, Timo Werner's uh, a striker that plays for Chelsea. In fact, I'll let time and take this one. I want to mention the North Macedonia one though first. I'm going to dive in and say this: he's a striker. He plays for Germany and for Chelsea. Um, he has not been that good since Chelsea bought him, uh, to say it nicely. But the he missed a couple of open net Simon right. Yeah, he was truly abysmal. He has had a horrendous season. We talked about um, Havertz last week, and I think Werner has also been truly horrible. Now, both of these guys still have a long, you know, know, they're both very young, uh, both getting used to British football. So there's, you know, a good chance that they'll turn it around. But if we're talking about between the two of them, I think they cost somewhere in the region, I'd say, of about £180 million between the two players, probably more. Um, Ultimately, they have been the flop of all flops. Yes, um, I, I didn't see um, Werner's chances against Chelsea because there was just too many goals, so the highlights were taken up by West Brom's <laughs> goals. Um, but I did see the the miss against um, North Macedonia, and it was truly horrible. This is a player who is playing with no confidence whatsoever. Chelsea so far have ruined this player. Now, we thought with the signing of Thomas Tuchel as new manager, if they may be able to get more out of him, you know, German manager, maybe a bit more of an understanding of how he plays than maybe Frank Lampard might have might have had. Uh, but it's been absolutely shocking so far. And to be honest, um, as a football fan, I've never been a massive Chelsea fan since they started to assemble these expensive teams. Now, you may have heard me last week remonstrating about Aston Villa not being able to buy the league. But at the same point, Chelsea have always been a team that, probably until Frank Lampard have prioritized well, maybe not so much a few years ago but in recent years it prioritized expensive signings um and foreign signings over young players and youth movement so when frank lampard came in and they had this big breath of fresh air uh bringing in all these these young lads these uh, mason mounts getting some first team action reese james um you know tammy abraham coming in scoring goals um but it's since gone back to what would be the relative norm and uh, to be honest it really shows the uh the level of the club and they're now a side full of aging veterans who are less enthusiastic about the youth movement and i think it could go either way i mean they're a team with a lot of money so they'll probably buy some more players but you know it's uh it's not a good thing so far their defending at the weekend was absolutely hopeless 
it was hopeless before um, mm. ten men, uh, and one of the, the man who got sent off, uh, Thiago Silva, uh, talk about signing an old player for big money. The guy's like four hundred years old. Yeah, he he has been a good top world class football player in Paris for most of his career, um, but you know they're choosing players like him over Tamori. They were bringing through. They have got all these young talent. Billy the Kid. I know he got injured in the midfield, um, but. Chelsea have done this for nearly two decades now. This is a team that had Hernan Crespo and Andrei Shevchenko up front. I mean, they bought all of these world-class players. Um, and at times it's worked. Of course, they've won Champions Leagues under Di Matteo and they won the, the league. Uh, but right now, uh, it was Tuchel's first loss in 15 games. I mean, it was the first loss of a Chelsea manager, so it was com- to, to be expected. But they got humbled. They got destroyed by bottom of the league bar one West Brom um and it was good underdogs we love an underdog um okay, move... so, go on yeah Dan. Ben uh, moving on from football I think yeah I'm going to move on from football yeah Is without that, saying you, the usher... words Liverpool were you ushering us away from football then <laughs> a little bit <laughs> Dan, Dan, football is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mention just how big football is in my meaty middle. My meaty middle is not even about football, and it still pops up. Uh, first major of the season in what sport? Golf. Okay, first major of the season was the uh, ANA Inspiration, the Anna Inspiration. Uh, first major for men or women? This was the uh, ladies PGA Tour. Um, Thailand's Patti Tavatanakit kept up with tradition. Um, by jumping into Poppy's Pond on the 18th after she won a wire-to-wire victory. Um, It's good to see golf back. Uh, We've got a big golf tournament coming up uh, next week, which I'll mention. I I do love watching golf. And the women's game is growing rapidly. Um, It's also exceptional to watch. She claimed the first prize check for a cool $465,000. Uh, not bad for a 21-year-old, um, and held off a superb challenge from Lydia Ko, who's uh, quite a household name. Lydia Ko posted the lowest round score in LPGA history, um, and uh, Patty still held her back. So um, congratulations to Patty Tavatanakit, first major winner of the uh, year. So that's good stuff. Uh, now I'm going to move on to football, because <laughs> there it is. you love football. <laughs> I want a brief mention of what's been happening over the last week. I want to ask Simon about this. Um, Sorry, um, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let you have as much football as you want because in a few weeks' time it's just going to be the F1 show again. Now, again, Good I just want to point out just how <laughs> many people watch football. People love football. Football's fantastic, Dan. This won't be a long uh, uh, segment, but um, Agents and the Erling Haaland Roadshow. Um, basically, we've spoken a bit about Erling Haaland over the last few weeks. Obviously, everyone has. Everyone knows this name. He's one of the uh, young top footballers coming through in, in, in European football. He's actually playing right now against Manchester City, um, although I believe they are still 1-0 down, so not scored anything. Um, his agent and father, Alfinger, uh, met with Barcelona, Madrid and Valencia in their player roadshow, okay? They are parading Haaland around these clubs like a a prized bull, uh, soon to arrive in the UK and do exactly the same with Manchester City, Manchester United, and most probably Chelsea. Um, His agent, uh, Mino Raiola, um, is... 
<sighs> do, do you like Mino Royal? There's, there's a story there. He's uh, he's a very polarizing individual. <laughs> he is so. He looks like a mafia man from the thirties, like Prohibition. He's um, he grew up in his dad's restaurant in uh, Netherlands. He's Italian born. Um, now he. <laughs> I couldn't tell you if he does what's best for him or what's best for his player, um, but it's not the latter, okay? <laughs> he makes a lot of money. Um, but I'm going to defend him before we move on away from football. This guy speaks seven languages fluently. I mean fluently. English, German, Spanish, French, Italian, Portuguese, and Dutch. He can make player dealings happen because he is speaking not only the player's tongue, but the club's tongue. It is That has to be commended. Seven languages in your head. And this guy is, yeah, devices like Simon says. But um, the roadshow's going on. This is going to rumble on for a while yet. And I think at some point in the podcast in the future, we're going to make an announcement of which club he goes to. And I think that's fantastic. That's me out from last weekend. Thank you, Ben. Uh, so, Simon, take us through what's uh, what's kept you going over the weekend. So, football. Um, so, yeah, basically. <laughs> no, well, actually, sadly, there is a little bit more football. Now, well, this kind of, it's more of rather than a direct link to football, it's more of a a, a, a kind of a link to world politics and, um, and everything else as well. So, uh, I want to discuss briefly with you lads about the uh, Norwegian players' potential boycott of mm. Qatar 2022. Now, um, this has come up in recent, probably in the, like the last month or so, that a, for a few Norwegian clubs had come out, uh, Norwegian Premier League clubs had come out um, with statements um, remonstrating with the fact that we are going to Qatar. Now, you may ask, what is wrong with Qatar? Uh, their human rights record in recent years is absolutely dreadful. They have um, somewhere in the region of 6,500 migrant worker deaths within the last decade. They are known for uh, mistreatment. There are very, very widely spread claims of modern slavery. Uh, all in all, there is a lot of stuff going on in Qatar which is not... Um, which is not considered to be um, particularly good for the world, uh, for football. Um, and all in all, it's something that a lot of teams and a lot of countries, a lot of FAs, FIFA, UEFA, whoever, have brushed under the carpet. Because as we discussed briefly last week, money is everything. And bringing in new uh, new countries, uh, spreading football around the world to, to clubs that may to clubs to countries that are maybe less known, you know, not known for for football, is more important than moralistic stands. And as I said, there has been an issue where we have um, we've had uh, Russia recently, who have also had a very questionable uh, human rights record and uh, you know role within world politics. Um, you know, ushered in as if there was no issue uh, to their to their um, to their tournament. So, all in all, we, we just know that um, it's very refreshing, and people can talk about whether they think sports stars should have a role in politics. I think this is very refreshing that we are bringing this to the surface, and I think really good on these Norwegian players because a lot of these guys, if they do boycott the tournament, they may never get to another tournament again. Nor Norway is not a particularly great team. 
So there might be a chance that this might be their only chance to ever make it to a world tournament. And they're willing to actually put that to one side in order to make a stand against something that really has just been brushed under the carpet. I don't know what you guys yeah, think about it. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, um, Norway have got some obviously incredibly talented football players coming through, uh, one we've mentioned quite a lot. But um, uh, uh, some words from Tony Cruz, who's playing tonight, Real Madrid, but also for Germany, you know, very, very talented football player. Um, he said straight up that it was wrong. Um, and to get involved in the politics, his, his views on it were, were not just that the um, conditions for migrant workers are just disgraceful. Um, this is an openly anti-gay country. Okay, in a time when uh, there are gay football players um, struggling or, or under pressure not to come out because of the pressure under them, uh, you know, the, um, the sensation it might cause or whatever is is wrong, absolutely wrong. Um, I I don't know how they can actually forge ahead with this with this competition. In all honesty, I think it is um, it's not a soccer country. At all, it's beyond. It's beyond disgusting. It's just just money, uh, and they're setting the game back with with race and homophobia and and just some bad things that we don't need in football or, or any walk of life. Yeah, yeah and I mean, um, go on, Simon. Sorry, you go. I just wanted to say as well that we aren't even talking about some of the logistical errors of this this whole tournament as well. So it's just the weather, um, the potential disruption to certain leagues if if schedules were changed and everything so i mean even on a footballing grounds there's there's issues with it but yeah i mean you just you can't look at the the moral arguments involved in all of this and think anything other than this is this is almost making it okay for people to have these stances and making it okay for people to oppress workers and uh, other nationalities because a lot of these migrant workers as i said migrant workers they have, they're from other countries they've come over for a better life um, you know, for, for money to, to work in, in Qatar and, and they've been taken advantage of. Yeah, it's um, a phrase, remarkably, as someone that follows F1, I've not heard before, and that might be because I follow F1 <laughs> as well, <laughs> paradoxically, is the term, much like greenwashing, is sports washing. Uh, and we'll come on to it in a moment around um, Extreme E, but I think... What what are we going to see here then? What's your sense here? Are we going to see other nations, other teams speak out, or other individuals, or is Norway going to be an edge case and it's all just going to go ahead as as you know normal? I believe. Oh, sorry, Ben, you go first. Yeah, I, let me let me come in with with just a couple of statements. It's difficult for the players that are never going to play in a, in a World Cup again. They really want to play there on the biggest stage. This is a tournament that can't be played in the normal World Cup summer because it's 50,000 degrees in Qatar in summer. So it's going to have to be played in winter. Okay. You're playing at World Cup at, at Christmas time. Um, that's new. Okay. Okay. You know, the temperature is not an issue for it. But um, with the human rights, the homophobia, the racism, um, I cannot accept it being played at the, the uh, in Qatar and all it takes is for a couple of big teams to get on board, boycott this event, uh, and they will quickly reschedule when when they realise people aren't going to be tuning in to watch their favourite teams. Sai, si, is that going to happen? You know, are England going to turn around and say, "Nah, we're, we're with no way." So, um, one thing I was going to mention, and this actually kind of segues very well, Dan, is that um, the English FA have also expressed concern. Now, um, if that doesn't smell like piggybacking, Classic. I've never, yeah. never heard anything else before in my life. Um, ultimately, 
people are funded and people are driven by their own self-interest. And um, you see in every walk of life, whether it's um, pay disputes in, in various sports or whatever, if the heavy hitters stick into it, you know, if the, you know, they say their piece and they do it, something might change. But if you don't get them on board, nothing will change. I can see maybe Norway following through with their, with their, um, their boycott and no one else following them and then being an isolated case and maybe they're just being a, a buy in their group or something like that. Um, I have to say, I, I just don't think unless they can mobilize other countries to do the same, that we will get anywhere. I think we have to try and good on them for trying and hopefully they get as much support and hopefully next week or something we're looking back and there's a hundred FAs coming out in and, and saying this is wrong. We're not going to go, but until I see it, I can't believe it. There's too much corruption in, in, the, in likely, the football in, in game really. More likely we'll see more, more uh, associations expressing concern and then go and then, mm going anyway all right well thank you for that simon it's something to keep exactly. an eye on and, and yeah fair, uh, absolutely with norway uh you know it's commendable what they've done uh on a national stage like international stage like that uh simon you're going to talk to us a little bit about concussion and saliva yes i am now so you never thought you'd be saying together. that dan <laughs> I didn't tell us more so, technically i've cheated a little bit this isn't from the last week this is probably from about the last 10 days that i read i read a report um, uh-huh. Wait, wait, the... wait. I'm just going to have to check yeah. with the judges. <laughs> yeah, they've given the go-ahead on this one occasion, Simon, as you were. You can't silence me. Um, so <laughs> ultimately, the uh, rugby union, um, oh, I can't remember, I think it might have been the University of Birmingham, have uh, come up with a study that can diagnose concussions via a saliva test using DNA markers within saliva. Um, now, according to the study, which is the extensive three-year study, is believed that it actually will be in the region of 94% accurate. So I believe that that's an absolute game changer if it can be rolled out, if there's more studies and they're proven to be correct. This is a thing that will change the sporting world. We're still relying on um, individual assessments from physios, from team doctors, um, and you're still hearing of guys going out there, you know, having basically been knocked unconscious um, and playing, you know, the rest of a game. Uh, so if this can come into effect and it's proven to be accurate and it's proven to be um, safe, or it should be safe, it's just saliva, but it, then it will be a situation that can only be a good thing for sport and for player safety. We have so many issues with uh, concussions and everything like that. CTE on ex-players in various sports. I think it'd be fantastic if we can get some early detection and actually help um, you know, keep these players safe. So t- t- firstly, tell us what CTE is before I ask a question. Oh, blimey. So... Um, I can't remember off the top. You always ask me a question, Dan, and I always can't answer. If you, you. throw an acronym, I will call you on it. That's why I say All right, it's while CTE. you find out, while you Google what CTE is, um, my question or statement is: so what you're saying is essentially um, saliva at ninety four percent efficacy is way more reliable than "Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I must play on." Uh, <laughs> assessment, essentially, which is what they've been relying on uh, to some extent, obviously. There's way more professionals than that, and I'm no way preparing the professionals that work around them and try and look after the players. But that's remarkable because uh, a lot of this, uh, Simon, doesn't come out 
in the next game or the next season. Some of this is like lifelong and comes out in later life, right? You know, mm-hmm. you see it with boxers um, and American football players. So this this is, like you say, is simply, and it's not hyperbole, it is potentially a game changer for these people. So Dan, I have an answer for you. It's Go chronic it. traumatic en- encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. And I work in ben I work in the NHS, it. and I still it. can't say it. So, Ben's, um, Ben's yeah. Mike must have died uh, oh. beforehand. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so silence, Ben. I, yeah, so I think it's a game changer, <laughs> oh, guys. <laughs> scores, yeah. What do you think, Ben? Um, I think it's three-one to Real Madrid now. Oh, I and, see what's uh, happening. I, I <laughs> am losing my mind. Right. We went two-one. Mohamed Salah, then a Vinicius Junior. This young. Uh, Brazilian lad is just exceptional. I'm going to stop you there, Ben. I'm going to stop you there. Um, Ben totally zoned out professionally from the podcast there. Had no idea what we've just been talking about because he's been watching the football on the side. And beforehand, I'm going to just call it out. You predicted a 4-1 game. And it might still be. It's just not the way you yeah, predicted not it. The way I predicted. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's only the first lag. We, we do miracles Anfield. Uh, on concussion, I, as a kid, watched Paul Ince, um get hit in the head. He gets strapped up, blood pouring down. He's wrapped up around his head in bandages, and he plays one of the greatest games of football from midfield. Uh, as a general, you know, general commanded the midfield to a draw. I think it was against Italy to qualify for the World Cup. Okay, 1998 was to qualify for the Euros in 2000, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Now, obviously, as a kid, what I'm saying about this with regards to concussion, I'm looking at that and thinking, this guy is a hero for me. Do we have to change it at that level? So do the modern kids watching football have to accept that concussion has no part in any football game? Or any sports game for that matter, and we really need to focus on it. And we, you know, now they take players off when there's blood and things like that. Should we not let anyone on the pitch with head wrappings anymore? Uh, you know, uh, bandages around the head, things like this. Is should all that be banned? How do we have to focus on that? It's, I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, if someone, I mean, just because you've had a head strapping doesn't mean you've had severe head trauma. It could have just been a knock or something like that. I mean, the the forehead, for example, is very well vascularized. So you're going to have a situation where, if, you know, for example, in professional wrestling, they use little razor blades to nick their forehead because they can absolutely fountain blood. So just because you've had a knock or you know a cut from something like that doesn't necessarily mean you've had some massive head trauma, which I think is, is one way that this saliva test would be even more useful is because it would be able to decipher and, and you know, and, and segregate these, these issues of, um, a massive head trauma to a, a possible, you know, just a grazing of, of of something like that. So I watched Triple H, Pedigree, uh, Mick Foley, uh, I think he was Mankind, onto um, some thumbtacks, and it was absolutely spectacular. So we're saying we can still have that in football? Yes, yes. <laughs> the events of the Royal Rumble 2000 can, in fact, be, uh, be done within a have- football pitch. Yeah. You can still have the barbed wire death matches at Alfred exactly. then. Because exactly. actually, you know, you can now start getting good at something else. 
Here we are on to the meaty middle, and I'm sure Ben will be overjoyed that we're going to start with Simon so he can concentrate on uh, doing a professional job of watching the football <laughs> at the same time. No, I'm going to listen to Simon because Simon always comes out with the best meaty middles. <laughs> yeah. um, Ben's celebrating. So Simon, I don't think he's celebrating because of anything I'm doing. <laughs> So we are going to get stuck into some genuinely really meaty subjects today, and I'm really excited to hear both of these. Simon, you're going to talk to us about the chances of a British NFL or NBA franchise. So talk to us. So I'm a little bit inspired by what we talked about last week. Um, We talked about the potential possibility of games being held within the UK again, and I frankly said, no, there's no chance and then was immediately made to look like a complete tit by the fact that uh, the Atlanta Falcons came out and said, oh, we're playing our game in London. Uh, so <laughs> they are going to be playing in London, apparently. Uh, obviously, this is still pandemic dependent. We're still a long way away from this, and we shall see how it goes. But yes, I was made to look a complete fool. Um, but yeah, I'd like to discuss with you about the potential for a British franchise. I see a lot of it on... Uh, on message boards and things like that where people saying, oh, you know, it's entirely possible or or completely poo-pooing it and say there's no chance. And I'd like to kind of give um, like a brief summation of what I consider the pros and cons um, for the leagues, for the individual places, and and kind of go and see if this is a viable operation and then kind of get what your your thoughts are afterwards. So let's start with the pros because I'm a positive person. So let's start with the pros. Um, so obviously, if we went for a team, probably would be most likely in uh, London, you know, biggest catchment area, uh, largest number of fans. Uh, you've got the infrastructure, you've got the tube lines, you've got the um, the stadiums, whether it be uh, a new stadium or Wembley or Twickenham or uh, Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium, whichever stadium. There's, there's actually quite a few stadiums that have held NFL games over the years. Um, and, vice, and also the same in the uh, NBA. We had until recently, and Dan can attest to this because we actually went to a game ourselves, uh, the yeah. O2 Arena, um, held uh, basketball for many years until they decided to hold it in Paris and break my heart a little bit. Um, but yes, there is large numbers of places within London or the greater area of London, if which is most likely to be where it's going to be held, that can accommodate a potential franchise. That in itself is fantastic. Uh, fan Sorry, base, Simon, I'll just yeah. like- just stop you there slightly. Um, yeah. Just for those that aren't sure, when you say a franchise, what you essentially mean there is a team. Yes. Yeah, so, so uh, people that might not know the term franchise. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get with the times, people. No, yeah. So <laughs> a franchise basically means a team that has been bought into a various um, area. This can be one of two ways. It can either be via a um, moving of another team. So this happened quite recently with San Diego Chargers, who moved to L.A., and the um, St. Louis Rams, who also moved to L.A. Why have two L.A. teams? I don't know, but they do. Um, And also the Oakland Raiders, who moved to Las Vegas. You can also have a situation where you can have a team that buys into the league and starts a new new team within an area. This happened most recently in the NBA, probably with the Vancouver Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors, who I will be mentioning a bit later. Um, happened very recently in the NHL with the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. So there's two ways of actually getting a franchise, um, and those are the two ways. Um, it tends to be easier to just move a team potentially, but then you have the issue of moving a team from one area to another area, which we'll kind of discuss a bit later. 
So um, going back to kind of the pros of what uh, we have in this situation, the fan base, I mean, British fans, British NFL fans, British NBA fans are ravenous. For example, um, at least part of the Super Bowl was watched by over 4 million fans in the UK. Now, granted, some of that may be people watching uh, the halftime show, but the large majority of these people aren't staying up until 2 or 3 in the morning to watch um, the weekend. They're watching the football. Um, So that in itself is crazy level of support. I mean, bear in mind, this is, yeah, this is the middle of the night. This isn't something that's on in the afternoon and someone's just idly flicking channels to watch. This is people who have specifically gone out of their way to watch this. So um, the NFL said before they even considered a franchise, they'd be looking at 4 million people. Now, obviously, you can't just take all of those 4 million people that watch the Super Bowl as as people who are going to be fans of the NFL. There could have been people watching for the first time, people accidentally switched on. You never know what the reasons that people do with this sort of thing. But I think it's a good indicator that we have a large fan base of fans willing to have a franchise. And it was the same for the O2. I mean, uh, the last game that was in London, Dan and I were going to go to, and we didn't get a sniff. It was the tickets were sold out within minutes so i think there's a hunger for these sports within the uk um and and that that's basically undeniable um so you know we also have a a large number of if we were going to go down the route of potentially uh changing a team there are certain teams that we have very big links with especially in the nfl so for example the jacksonville jaguars they play several of their home games at in london every year their owner uh, shad khan is the owner of fulham so um yeah we have some links there was always been the sneaky suspicion that he was going to move the team now at the moment that doesn't look to have happened but that is a possible route in obviously it could be if that doesn't go ahead that we may have to buy a team to get in but as i said there's quite a few negatives that i'm going to kind of discuss with you as well so that might change your idea of how possible that is so um you also have um, for pros, for the players individually, you have the idea of a legacy. I mean, a new team in a new new country, in a new city, can create some really, really, you know, a large amount of fame for the star players of this new team, whoever they are. Let's call them the London Silly Nannies that I've ripped off from, uh, from Family <laughs> Guy. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, there's a large, and it also it's a multicultural city. It's a fantastic city to visit. Um, as a as a simple rural country boy, I'm not sure I'd like to live in London, but there are some amazing places to to live and lots of things to visit. So in that regard as well, that would be fantastic and hopefully would draw certain players to us. Um, I don't think you, you can think any other pros possibility, lads, but that's kind of that's where I'm drawing a line on positives for yeah, it's much of a muchness I think in that regard. Yeah. All right. So, so negatives. Yeah let's let's unfortunately for me there's a lot more negatives than there are positives um and these aren't negatives for the city and stuff like that because i think um you know for london and for the uk fans it would be nothing short of fantastic but on the other hand the one thing we can talk about is the fans so so many fans already have a team a lot of these guys have been fans of the NFL for years. So there is always the worry that you're going to have a situation where these um, these Chicago Bears fans, these New England Patriot fans, just naming two off the top of my head, 
um, are, you know, may not embrace a new team as much as we'd like. They'd still go, but are they going to be as fanatical as maybe um, certain fans maybe? So that would be the, a small nick. But I think, to be honest, you'd still get the commercial fans. You'd still get, um, you know, corporate fans. You'd still fill the stadium every week. Uh, so that wouldn't be a necessary an issue. But it's one thing to consider. The biggest issue, I think, unfortunately, involves around the players. So let me just read you a little stat and see what you think. So 11% of Americans have never left their own state. Put that into perspective. Now, obviously, you're, you, there's there going to be some um, economic issues, some social issues as to why people don't leave their state. But just put that into perspective. Not all of Americans and not all of these, these football players are going to be exceedingly well-traveled. So that's the, another thing. 13% have never traveled on an aeroplane. And 40% have never left the country. So you're expecting these players to go and live in a country where they may speak the same language, but there's a different accent, there's a different culture, there's a different way of living, the food's different. Uh, every year that there's a game in, in London, there's always at least one American football player comes out and slags off British food. Where, rightly or wrongly, it's, it's irrelevant. But so somebody's I mean, just not enough of it, is that what it is? Effect, no, it's not enough sugars, it's not enough salt, it's not enough um, of everything else. Hormone-injected <laughs> hormone beef, all, all the, all the good stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's a big issue. And... I'm not saying there are some Americans who are very well traveled. There are Americans living in every, you know, every country around the world. But there is also a large amount of them that have not well traveled and expecting some of these people to move potentially with their families, with their parents, whatever, to a completely different country is a very, very difficult thing to push, a very difficult thing to swing. So the other thing would be that the cost of living in London is actually quite high. Um, so it's quite comparable to New York. So you're going to have an issue where for free agents, not only are they going to have to live in a different country, but their their pay packets are not going to be the same as if they lived in Florida where there's no state taxes and all these sorts of things. So you're going to have a situation where these guys are getting less money. So not only are they living in a different country, they're getting less money to live there unless you overpay dramatically on free agents. And this is obviously the same for either basketball or or the NBA. Uh, so or the NBA or the NFL. Um, so the other thing is logistically, you're going to have a real issue um, with these things. There was uh, Dan Marino, pretty famous quarterback. Dan, you'll have no idea who he is. He was an Ace Ventura. That's where you probably know him from. Um, oh, yeah. So he uh, said he that, was that, in Ace Ventura. He was. He had a <laughs> no big way. part, a big speaking <laughs> part. Um, he uh, said that the likelihood is that British teams, if there was one, would have to play back-to-back uh, road games. Now, in the NBA, that isn't an issue because they play so often. So you would have situations where you'd have two or three game road trips. But in the NFL, that is a big issue. Um, so if you think about that, these guys are going to have to go and have a big flight over, you know, possibly to the West Coast, and then a flight over maybe to the uh, to New York, and then a flight back to the UK. It's a very grueling schedule, and vice versa for a lot of these teams as well. So a lot of these teams, you could have, say, I don't know, pulling teams out of, the, out of a hat, the Seattle Seahawks possibly flying over to play against the British team. You know, that is a long journey. That's the west coast of America to the UK. That is a long journey. So that in itself would be a massive issue. 
Um, I did have the weather down. I'm not going to talk about the weather. I think that's there's there's places that are comparable, but the weather in Britain is shit most of the year round. So to have a situation where you're going to be playing through the middle of frosts and pouring rain does not. It's not conducive to particularly good ba- uh, to particularly good American football, basketball. They'll I be mean, fine. for example, mm-hmm. for example, if they played today, they would have played in glorious sunshine and snow and cold, <laughs> icy wind, all within the same hour. So you know, there's that. You know, I, I'm going to I'm going to start on weather. In Texas, they were snowed under recently, so I don't think weather would be an issue, um, but. A lot of negatives outweighing the positives uh, there. The for a team to be based in the UK, I I think that's almost impossible in the NFL, right? I think there's a good chance. I mean, I haven't even got round to the actual cost of this yet. Um, so, looking at teams recently that relocated, uh, for example, the LA Rams and the LA Chargers. It was $645 million for them to relocate. So this is something that would not be paid off in a week or two. This would be paid off over multiple seasons. So obviously you're having to increase sponsorships. You're going to have to increase the number of corporate tickets. Um, It is not a small amount. Obviously, that's got to come either out of the owner's pocket, um, potential contributors from from the UK who would be interested in spending money. Um, It's... It's going to be difficult. Um, there was the deal breaker, which I will leave for a little bit because I know you've got questions, Ben, but I want to I finish on it. But it's a deal breaker, and I think it's sadly what might put a nail in, in the coffin, as it were. So before, Ben, before you dive in, and, and I'm going to take this uh, opportunity to uh, jump the queue only because I flat out forgot to talk about my highlights of the week just gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of which uh, we're actually not going to talk about because of um, uh, we'll never stop Ben talking about it. Uh, but the other was, uh, you reminded me, is I watched the trailer for Space Jam, talking of sports <laughs> stars in movies. Space Jam, the um, you know, Space Jam 2, what they call it, a new legacy uh, with uh, uh, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis. You know, it's got a cast. And actually, it looks like LeBron James can can almost act according to the trailer anyway you know he works but actually it looks like it will be okay it looks like it will be fun so anyway there's that but i am going to take the liberty ben and jump the queue a little bit because i've got a few few notes i've made here about what simon just said one of which was um he's absolutely right we did go and see uh the wizards washington wizards against the knicks at the o2 and i don't blame the nba for ditching london the atmosphere was dead there was zero atmosphere, and you could see it in the players, you know, as they were entering the court at half time and all that stuff. You know, we were in the cheap seats. Maybe that didn't help, but it it, it, it felt flat, and it wasn't full either. The O2, it, it felt a bit flat, and I, I don't, I'd not been to a game like that there. I've not seen something like that of that scale, so I don't know if that's normal um, or what to expect. But it felt like we were very British in our kind of enthusiasm for the sport. We were like, "Yeah, that was very good. Yes, very well done. Yes, okay. Now just carry on, play on." And I won't cheer and all that. And and I wonder if maybe that was part of why they went to Paris, or maybe simply they didn't sell all the tickets, so they try Paris next instead. Um, but maybe anyway I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game and it was a nail-biting finish and i would go again 100 um 
but yeah, it it didn't feel as energized as you see it on the telly. But that might be the um, all the ads and the sugar you get from Gatorade. Um, I have a couple of comments as well. You say four million people tuned in for the uh, the NFL. Was it the Super Bowl? You said four million people. Yes. Um, to put that in perspective, and the Super Bowl starts at what time? Um, eleven thirty is usually kickoff. So just after so eleven thirty. Right? Hmm. So you have to be pretty dedicated. So to put that in perspective, um, for a BBC One show, prime time viewing, Sunday night, line of duty, right? The opening um, episode of season six, which a few weeks back, a couple of weeks back now, that got 9.6 million. So it's only under half of that, just under half of that, which actually is is amazing, isn't it? For something that starts late, is really niche. It's not like the BBC, you know, this that, and the other. So four million is a lot of people to tune in at midnight to watch watch the sport. So there's clearly an appetite for that in the UK. Uh, so I go with that. Um, I have one question about the uh, the you know the home crowd. You know, is there a home crowd? Is there an appetite for people turning up to the stadiums? My question to you is: Is that a victim of the fact that we don't really have the college sports um, pedigree? of sports enthusiasm of like this homegrown kind of pure championing of talent as it comes up into the ranks. And then lastly, my question is around the flying. You said about the flying, and but is that more a socio socioeconomic thing? So actually the people that are in the leagues, they're paid a fair bit of money, aren't they? So actually flying is probably quite normal to them. They probably all got passports. They've probably been out of the country. So is that going to be as mega issue for them as it is for the average American? Yeah, um, that's me done. So kind of going back to what you were saying about college sports and the atmosphere, I think, I mean, the, I think the game actually was sold out. I mean, the only tickets I think that were available were potentially corporate tickets when you and I went, but um, okay. atmosphere wise, it was a little bit, I think, unfortunately it's twofold. I think in these things, it was effectively considered almost like an exhibition game. So you're having a situation where I think, um, you know, fans are going just for the experience, not necessarily basketball fans, not understanding everything, just going for the experience. So, you know, there's always the parade of, of celebrities like Gordon Ramsay or, or something like that, or Cher Lloyd yeah. or someone like that. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to Cher. Um, and then, you know, you got stuff like that. But also, um, this isn't a team, I mean, for you, obviously, as a, a Knicks fan, it was, it was more exciting. But for a lot of people there, you know, the Washington Wizards are not a very popular team. And the Knicks may not be a popular team. So, you know, you're going to watch the game. I mean, I, I cheered because I wanted the Knicks to lose because it would be funny. Um, but at the same time, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily wouldn't go into watch a team that they supported necessarily if it was the bulls for example i would have been going yeah. nuts and pushing our friend blaine to the floor yeah. in anger if we lost but it's a different <laughs> different situation going on what you were saying as well about the flying yes i mean these guys are used to flying a lot of them fly in first class but it, it could be a very long flight and you have seen on teams that have longer travel times in an nfl season for example they do suffer form-wise. There's a lot of them that come off long flights, long road trips, and and lose, you know, possibly unexpectedly. So it's not uncommon for that to be the case. So I think that might be an issue. And I said with a back-to-back, that's going to be very difficult as well. Thanks, Simon. Um, ben, over to you. So a couple of uh, non-related sport questions. Either of you can answer. Uh, I'm going to ask them both. Who is Cher Lloyd and what's a line of duty? <laughs> line of duty is um, a cop drama on BBC One. It's, oh, it's a television it's probably show. The most, 
anticipated cult drama of the last couple of years because there's you know massive okay. uh, unknowns in it and things like that and it's like full of acronyms and I, it, you literally have no idea what's going on from one minute to the next but people are hooked and 9.6 million people tuned in for the first episode i bet they know what cte means and um <laughs> who is Cher lloyd i think she's a singer from many years ago i think that's i picked not, her that's name that's not Cher's for... surname lloyd is it it's, isn't think... it like Hernandez something or other now? She, I don't she know. No. Someone or no, that's is that a girl from? Um, it's a girl from X Factor, is it not? Not not. Do this you is believe what... in life? That, that one, Cher, like the, the no, legend, Cher. Not not from Sunny and Cher. Her surname. No. 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 This is why we're not an entertainment show, guys. Oh, okay. so, so the sports. What I do is I always <laughs> put a tick and an answer. So I've, next to what's the line of duty, I've got cop drama. And next to Cher Lloyd, we don't know. So that's okay. I'll search <laughs> I'll search that after. Um I wanna mention firstly about uh the O2 Arena. Now I I uh, I did a segment um a couple of weeks ago about tennis. I didn't mention that I watched a heap of tennis. I've seen uh Nadal, Federer, Djokovic live on different continents. I'm I'm pleasured to be able to say that. I love tennis. Uh, and I watched Nadal versus Burdich. And on the queue to get into the Nadal versus Burdich, um, uh, I think it was just a playoff game, uh, group game, uh, they took my donuts from me. I had a pack of donuts to take in. I was super happy. I was like, I'm going to eat these pink donuts. I'm going to watch some tennis. This is me living life. Just the best day ever. And they were like, no food, no food. You know, you've got to buy the chips at a hundred uh, million pounds. Um, and, Oh, good lord! Goals going in all over the place. Okay, so uh, the you might eleven percent of USA have never left their town. Is that right? State, state. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll counter that that figure with ten percent of Australians at any time are not in Australia. <laughs> so at any one time, ten percent of the country is abroad. Um, Four million fans to tune in. I was one of them. It finished at something like three in the morning. I finished, you know, just in my bed with my laptop because my housemate who watched until the weekend's half time went to sleep. Um, I understand a lot of people are watching for the half time show. I think logistically having an NFL team is just nearly impossible, but an NBA team I think could be possible because the amount of NBA games they play they could play a run. So the British team plays uh, a quarter of the season at home, quarter away, quarter home, quarter away. Basically, they re- they organize it so teams come to town for four-game series. Would If they did it that way, would that unfairly affect the sport? So say, for instance, we've got Team Silly Body, I don't know what they were called, the NBA, <laughs> uh, UK Silly Bodies, uh, and say, for instance, Lakers came to town, four games, and then, uh, you know, the uh, Toronto Raptors came to town, four games. Would that be an unfair advantage to block the home games together? I think you could see it going one of two ways. I mean, in the NFL, in the, NFL, in the NBA this year, um, remember we, we looked at a stat recently in the Premier League with no fans, away teams somehow were winning more games than home teams. And I think that shows in, um, you know, in, in crowds uh, sometimes that um, they may have an undue effect on things. And you may have a situation, yeah, where you may win so many more games because you get on a run and you feed off the crowd. 
and then yeah go away and you may lose every single game on your road trip so i think it'd be very difficult it'd also be grueling and also to think about that yes in the context of possibly scheduling that's great but these guys have families I mean, they may be settled in the UK. They may have young children. To say to them, all right, well, instead we're going to have a traveling roadshow going from LA to 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 Portland, Oregon, to um, to Oklahoma. You know, I think that's that's beyond unfair to ask these guys. I don't think. It, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I, I think it, it would be unfair, and I think. <laughs> There's a lot of negatives. The positives are they would sell tickets. I, I don't have any doubt that maybe not the O2 Arena, you know, Donut Thieves. I think they would sell out 20,000, 30,000 capacity stadiums, uh, wherever they are. People want to see it, ad pay. Um, that brings me on to a question about the NFL games. Obviously, at the moment, I think last year was four. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Four games. Um, that's been up from, you know, one game. It happened, then it was two, then I think it was four. This year, I think it was going to be for pre-pandemic. Of course, everything in the world of everything has changed. Uh, can we expect that to be increased? Would the NFL be happy if now it's a 17-game season? Could they play all of that 17th game in the UK? Maybe get us up to 10 games a season, maybe? I think that is something that the um, the NFL hungrily looks at the number of fans who are interested in the NFL and sees massive dollar signs. And so I think the number of games in this country will increase. However, if you may not have noticed, you may not have seen, but there is also negotiations going on to play games around the world. So there's potentially games. There was already a game uh, last year, year before in Mexico. There's negotiations to have games in Canada, uh, games in Germany, I believe. So we may find um, that we we could get some more games. We might end up losing some games, kind of in, in the way that we lost the, the London game in the NBA. Maybe we lose uh, NFL games and we only end up with a couple of games because they want to try tapping out the markets in uh, other countries like France or Germany or or wherever or Italy or somewhere like because you know a lot of these other countries probably have more of a basketball pedigree than we do. Go for it, Ben. If the NFL or NBA uh, take games to Qatar, I will have a damning <laughs> segment. <laughs> well, sports washing is alive and kicking. Uh, Simon, have you got anything to? You said you had a big zinger to end with what was your thing you wanted to end with so sadly as well the other issue that may affect us ever having a franchise revolves around the agreement so last year dan there was a big thing they called the collective bargaining agreement which is basically where the players representatives like the players union and the owners and the league get together to organize salaries um this is basically where it, it was agreed that we'd have a 17th game in all sorts of that and one of the things that would trigger a potential new cba is the change to working conditions now a situation where another country is involved where you know flying regularly to uh, to and from the uk living in the uk is a change to working conditions and so there would probably be a fear within the league offices that would then trigger a new cba and we were very close with the last cba and the cba before it to a potential lockout situation which is something that the league would 
try desperately to avoid so unfortunately that may be the final nail in the coffin on that argument as sad as it would be because as a sports fan i would love to have it i just see there's too many negatives which are going to affect it and just not enough positives so it's the case of watch this space and uh, whether the cba can be asked <laughs> hey you see what i did there hey. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Simon, for that, as ever, insightful look into potential franchises for the NFL and NBA. Um, Right. Moving on. Ben, you're going to change medium, but not necessarily sport. Ben, talk to us about esports. I am going to dive straight into esports. I knew what CBA stood for. I'm super positive about that. Um, And so did Simon, remarkably. (laughs) That was good. A CT question mark. (laughs) Cher Lloyd, we don't know. CBA, we do know. Uh, Dan's look back at the weekend was regarding Extreme E, but he dares not talk about it. Uh, uh, only because of you. Um, I'll tell you what, I will talk about it very briefly. All I'll say is... um, there was uh, things I learned about Extreme this this weekend and watching Top Gear, as it happens, um, and, and some of the footage around it and some of the press around it, which makes me in more into it than I had been previously. And I will be watching the next few races, but I didn't watch any of the footage over the weekend, just gone. Interesting and positive feedback. I think there was generally positive feedback. One thing the uh, last Wednesday of the week will do will champion sports regardless of gender, regardless of status, uh, just it will champion all sports. Uh, and my genuine dislike for extreme comes from uh, various situations around equality and racing in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure we'll get onto it. Formula One are racing there as well. And it's this whole thing of money over uh, anything. We touched on it with Qatar earlier in, in the, in the, um, show and uh this podcast will always champion equality and i don't think that event did i think it actually set racing back uh so so ben let's let's move on to your meeting middle and and talking of equality esports is a potentially a a, the great leveler isn't it no no and (laughs) how bad is that start with a real down point i'll come on to that it's not in my meeting middle to discuss about this is a real male-dominated sport, and there's been some big issues with one of the uh, big game creators, Riot, which I'll talk about and explain about in a second, um, and uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. And it's not actually a good scene right now, but it is growing. Uh, there's about a 30-70 split in eSport, 30% uh, female players, 70% male players. But anyway, that's just a precursor, some preamble before I get into uh, eSports. Esports an introduction. Okay. Well, we're going to call do, 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 do. an introduction. I sound like Hermione Granger. Um, she's from Harry you Potter. You also look like um, Hermione Granger as well. Thank you. It's Leviosa. Thank you. Um, now, we're definitely going to talk about esports, not football. They finished 3 1 to Real Madrid, and Foden scored in the last minute to uh, win 2 1 for Manchester City. So, esports. What is esports, uh, Simon? It's um, sports, I believe, under the influence of ecstasy. Okay, good, good answer. I'm, I'm marking this, Dan. Uh, it is uh, any uh, sporting event, competitive event done through a computer. 
Uh, Dan gets all the points. Sorry, Simon. Um, okay, yeah. It's hey, basically mine was funny. His was just lame. He's just <laughs> a teacher's pet. I'm sure the <laughs> two have coincided, but we're not going to discuss that. Um, it is obviously competitive video games. Uh, it's humans versus humans. Um, there's obviously a spectator element which creates it as a sport. Um, competitive gaming has been around a long time. Um, now, multiplayer arcade games, Dan, you'll remember this, swept through the world in the 70s and 80s. Um, they, uh, you know, people used to go to these arcades. That was where multiplayer gaming burst from. Uh, the Atari Pong C100 system, Dan, do you remember playing tennis? Uh, no, I'm not as old, old as you look, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway that 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 bought the the gaming into the home so uh the atari system bought it um and it was alan alcorn who invented the At atari classic game i think that's a name worth mentioning the, the guy has generated a whole genre um but it's gone from this one-on-one -on -one basic tennis block graphics to huge multiplayer arenas uh with uh, i mean tens of mil hundreds of millions of players billions of players will come into some figures in a moment um, the video game industry is growing at an almighty rate okay um now we've got professional gamers now uh they are in the same way maybe akin to tennis players in the way that these gamers they work with coaches uh they have physios team psychologists uh, obviously they've got managers and agents maybe Mino Raiola will be picking up some esports professional gamers soon um and it has exploded especially over the last decade uh the biggest change Simon Simon come at me and and also, um, just to kind of piggyback off what you were saying, I'm kind of the English FA of the uh, podcasters here, um, that uh, we are in a situation now where individual football teams are hiring players to represent their... I don't know if I've stolen your point. I hope I have, that, uh, Ben. I hope I have. Um, <laughs> no, you haven't. It's, it's an incredible uh, point. Yeah. Any more on it? Simon's expressing that concern. No, it's amazing. It's great to hear people get involved because we're going to start giving some esports updates over the coming podcast. And it's important to get an introduction. Most people will be listening to this and going, I know computer games are big. I play them uh, with tens of millions online. And I, I appreciate that. I'm sure you both play games, Dan. Um, I, I think it might be worth clarifying, unless you're about to, that you're giving a, a brief history to computer gaming. And, and people may not immediately think of you know the regular computer game like um i don't know gta or something like that as as an e-sport not that necessarily gta can be but um you know they might immediately start to think of things like football or formula one or things like that you know why why are you also why why are you talking more broadly about computer games because it is more broad right yeah, it's also very important. I mean, I, I'm touching on esports, esports and introduction segment. The reason I'm touching on the whole thing is because Gran Turismo, uh, uh, sorry, Gran, uh, Gran Turismo aside, Grand Theft Auto GTA, which you both play, which is an incredibly addictive game. Um, has I can stop whenever I want. I still want <laughs> I can to stop whenever I want. Literally playing right now. Um, I can um, I can say there is, of course, competitive elements. But we'll get into some uh, figures in a moment about um, the amount of gamers worldwide to actually the amount of professionals. Esports, we're talking professional gamers, okay? I play tennis with my friend. I'm not a professional. 
We don't play for money. We don't have contracts. We don't have sponsors. And this is the really big kicker, spectator element. Okay, that is what creates esport, and it's what creates this genre. Um, the expansion of esports, um, you might consider, oh, it's just come with the internet. You know, most people would say that. Yes, the internet has grown as speed, access, and it's going to continue to grow, and it's played a huge role. But the real expansion has come in the last 10 years, and that has come through streaming platforms. Okay. YouTube and Twitch are the big hitters now. They're household names. Um, to put it simply, you can watch people play. You can watch people play each other. You can play and have people watch you play. It's it's just this incredible growth that we're seeing. Um, and I wrote this earlier. These, these are my own words. I didn't get these off the internet. Uh, take the example of football in 1990. I think it was the beginning of the 90s. Um, England's top division rebranded to the Premier League. Um, B Sky B, I think it was B Sky B at the time, uh, Murdoch, uh, broadcast a heap of games, okay? Football exploded in a commercial sense. Yes, football was always big. The World Cup in 1966 is still, to this day, the largest television audience in the UK's history. Yeah, 60 odd years ago. Um, but commercially it exploded with sponsorships and games um, and just the whole television uh, funding that came into sport. Uh, this streaming allows sponsorships, okay? So the YouTube and the Twitch, it allows the professional tournaments to grow. And non-professional gamers like myself can watch how it's done and we can watch people compete. Exactly the same as if I play footy with a mate down the field. I'm not a professional, but I can watch my team get banked by Real Madrid and I can enjoy that. You know, we watch the professional <laughs> tournaments. Um, you mentioned Grand Theft Auto and it's important to talk about the games that are big right now. Okay, there's three types of games. Bit of jargon for you here and you can give me an idea actually because uh, you've not got any good ones tonight. CBA, CTE, uh, MOBA, FPS and RTS. Give me your best guesses to what they mean. Well, RTS is easy. Go on. RTS is real-time strategy. Okay. Well, he's he's getting some points on you, Dan, right now. Yes. Simon, FPS? FPS, first-person shooter. <laughs> he's two for two. MOBA. Um, I believe is a artist who sang various songs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or is that Moby? <laughs> Don't you know what, actually, that was the online second online something. <laughs> oh, so good. That was the second album I ever bought after Incubus Make Yourself. Um, <laughs> can Mo you can you uh, Mobo? Can you tell us the letters? Uh, M O B A. Is it some massive online battle arena or something? Multiplayer, massively multiplayer. Yeah, they, they add the massively. They add the adjective. It's a multiplayer online battle arena. Uh, these are the the likes ding, 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 of Dota, um, uh, Defense of the Ancients, two League of Legends, Fortnite. Absolutely, these are the big ones. Um, they are vast. Okay, um, they're taking over the world. Now, time... that's the thing. This is what so my point. Sorry, Simon, just to jump in. Is it, that's my point? Is what I was saying earlier. These aren't the games that people think of necessarily when you say esports all the time because they might think of. Um, you know, racing sim like they saw Formula One do when Formula One wasn't running at the beginning of last year. They might think of um, football, as, as Simon might allude to. They might think of things like that as esports. But, um, you know, Fortnite 
you know, that kind of thing is, is like you say, is a spectator sport now. Simon, sorry to jump in. Okay. I believe as well, the big game probably of the last 15 years, 20 years, probably StarCraft, I believe. It originated in uh, Korea as the one of the, probably the first or one of the first examples of proper eSport where there were official tournaments and things of that nature as well. So it's, it's important, I think, to, to, to mention that one as well. Absolutely, absolutely spot on. StarCraft is literally the real-time strategy that we're talking about. Put your arms in the air. <laughs> StarCraft Starcraft, and we're going to talk about League of Legends are two games that have driven this esports domination. Yeah, Dan, you're talking about Gran Turismo. They're simulators, and they are going to grow and grow and grow. And again, what you said, Simon, about the football teams. Yes, football teams have huge followings. And they have their own FIFA tournaments now, and 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 the likes of of uh, Arsenal and Manchester United and Manchester City have professional gamers in their stables. They, they, you know, this is an area now. Um, the it was actually a Manchester City fan who, who recently won the FIFA tournament. I think he, he pocketed forty thousand uh, pounds, which is petty cash compared to the League of Legends and Dota tournaments, which I'll talk about. Um, and. The professional aspect is exactly the right. It has to be professional for this sport to, to develop. We're not just talking about home gamers. Multiplayer online battle arenas, whether it's League of Legends or this game called Dota 2, there's a very good possibility that this will be included in the LA 2028 Olympics. Okay? The 2022 Asian Games are including esports yes that means gaming is going to be played alongside uh you know the same tournaments athletics track and field archery badminton multiplayer online battle arenas this is how big esports has got um now i, I, I certainly I'm, I'm not going to um and i certainly don't have the knowledge to give a review of all the biggest games okay uh, but i am going to focus uh, a brief mention on league of legends because it's one game that i play it's been around 10 years it has driven esports massively it is a fantastic game with a very steep learning curve um and at the end of year end of last year league of legends hosted its 10th world championship okay sadly there was no fans um but it's been one of the the games that has driven the esports series we've previous previous years we've had 80,000 people in the bird's nest um you know watching uh, gamers and it's you have these banks so two banks of pcs that face each other it's a five versus five person game and they all come in with their own emblazoned shirts uh you talk about football teams paris Saint germain had one of their own big teams and they actually play in very similar shirts to the football team uh they you know have banks facing each other the game itself is very in, very clever it starts off in a kind of methodical fashion. It culminates in these epic team fights. They're just so exciting. Um, it's got a huge appeal as a spectator sport. Okay. Um, the I won't go into details about the game, but it's basically like a capture the flag in, in layman's terms. You're five versus five. You try and get to the opponent base. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. The event uh, was won by South Korea's Damwon Gaming. Uh, they beat the Chinese team Suning. Uh, the winners got paid uh, $1.5 million. 
Okay, so no petty cash. And bear in mind that that final was played without fans. It was actually played in a stadium, a 35,000-seat stadium without fans in, in pandemic fashion is, is what most sports in this situation are. Um, now, I, I, I want to wrap it up a little bit. I want, don't want to get involved in the game. I'm not, I'm, you know, this podcast isn't about what League of Legends is about or how good the games are, um, but it's about an esports instructor. I'm going to, on future weeks, talk about the last weekend or what's coming up and actually talk about the uh, esports events that are happening because there's a huge fan base for it. Uh, and I'm involved and I think other people are involved. And I think some, some of our listeners, hopefully our pan-continental listeners are involved. Um, Esports has got everything you could want from a sport, okay? Professional players, trophies, um, a full stadiums, you know, uh, a spectator event. Um, It's just the brain instead of the body that's the muscle. And it should be heralded as a sport, okay? Um, And I'm going to welcome questions. I have hopefully got so much information to wow you with if you ask me anything, any kind of acronyms, you know, that kind of thing. Dan? You say about brain, not body, but um, a little while ago, there was a a physiological kind of uh, mapping done of an F1 driver versus uh, an eSports F1 driver. And... The the only thing that was um, well, there were, there were, I mean, obviously there were a number of differences, but essentially their heart rate, uh, stress response, all that kind of stuff were largely mapped similar. Uh, so they kind of have to be fit depending on the game they're doing. In some cases, well, that's because Formula One drivers sit down for their job. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, the other thing I want to just uh, there's only one of the comment I have, and that was uh, for me what really. Uh, again it's a motorsports analogy but it made it highlighted to me just how big and i i'd seen it on youtube i'd seen it on tv i'd read about it a lot because you know i read the tech magazines i've known about this stuff for a little while but for me what really made it just highlighted just how mainstream this is now and how uh equal almost to their real life counterparts this is for analogous sports so you know motorsport for example not necessarily league of legends but um motorsport was seeing and i think we've mentioned it before but seeing um the esports final for the uh le mans uh esports series the them standing on the very same podium it was hosted at um, Circuit de la Sarthe. It was hosted at the same venue on the same weekend as the uh, 24 Hour Le Mans, and they stood on the same podium as the racers in in the 24 Hour race. And you know they're literally side by side with these people that they're you know emulating, as so to speak. But it, athletes and sportsmen and sports people in their own right. They are 100% sports people in their own right. And this is a thing. And I think when it hits the Olympics, people might start taking um, uh, taking note. Uh, mm. I was there with you, Dan, in yeah, Circuit de la Sarthe, in France. Uh, well, I think we were already halfway through a bag of wine waiting for the, the main event to start, probably. <laughs> definitely sober. Um, yeah, um, I, I know we don't talk about gambling tips, but one tip is go to Le Mans in France for the, the, the 24 hours if you get chance to any listeners, because that stuff's yes. mad. Simon, you, you, Simon, you've turned a funny face when Ben mentioned real sport. So this is my question. Is it, is it really a real sport? And I, I don't mean this in a nasty way because I think these people are exceedingly skilled at what they do. 
Um, if you look at the definition of sport, one thing it talks about is physical exertion. Now, yes, you have the body under emotional stress and tension, but is it truly under physical exertion? So it's kind of something we've talked about in the in the past um, off air is the potential for masturbates. Oh, masturbates. That sounds awful. Uh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you taking this? Once again, masturbates. Is it a sport? Um, <laughs> is it a spectator wow. sport? Um, no. So, wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. And um, this is Simon's abort, last show. A bore. <laughs> anyway, um, we were talking about what is a sport, and we were possibly going to, in the future, reel off a variety of sports. I can't. I've lost all credibility. Um, but I'm going to carry on because I'm a professional, a professional amateur podcaster. <laughs> um so yeah so um oh you know what we've we've done we're done now aren't we it's gone <laughs> you killed ben you've absolutely killed him he's done i'm gonna have to fill this is like canada 2010 i've got four hours of red flag to fill the bbc are gonna uh they they yeah, I've, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to give. Uh, Simon, you were literally talking about whether this is a sport and you yeah. uh, got onto the subject of self-pleasure. I'm crying. I'm literally <laughs> crying. Literally crying. How I... are you going to save yourself? I don't know. I think this is going to be on, on the blooper reel at the end of the at the end of the series, isn't it? Really, I'm going um, to fly straight over it. I'm going to re- respond to a question you didn't even ask, just so we can keep the conversation moving. Genuinely, I, like as a Liverpool fan, I don't think any any Liverpool fan has laughed that much in weeks. Or at least you're welcome, Ben. Honestly, you're welcome. Actually, crying. Um, <laughs> okay, it's not a sport. Oh, I don't use their bodies. NBA. Uh, Current viewers in the uh, in America, there's 63 million viewers in America. Okay, that's a lot for NBA. You know, bear in mind the country's only 300 odd million. Uh, 63 million esport, 84 million, so it trumps NBA. MLB, 79 million, so it trumps MLB. Yes, it's, MLB, uh, Major League Baseball. Sorry, Dan. MLB, we ha- it, it's part of our banner on our last Wednesday of the week podcast. <laughs> Along with the NCAA um, <laughs> college basketball, I think, as well. Makes yeah, it under there. Um, yeah. Uh, which, which I think it was a, a big game yesterday. Maybe you could tell us about that. Um, <laughs> NFL obviously is miles away. Um, there's huge money in it. Yearly esports earnings is north of $150 million. Okay, there aren't exact figures for how many professional gamers there are but it's possibly not a huge amount more than 1500 So I appreciate the actual terms of professional getting paid contracts is not astronomical, but it's only growing. In fact, it's growing rapidly. In the world, we're nearing 3 billion gamers. Nearly half the world's population are gamers. Okay, Half the world's population do not play sport, do not run around and kick a football. I mean, football itself is is remarkable in terms of uh, figures, uh, viewing figures. Um, but in what way is this not a sport? I think I appreciate, you know, they're not Usain Bolt running the 100 meters, but um, it's sport in every sense of the word. It's a spectator sport and it's humans versus humans. Essentially, what you've just described there is we're heading to the Oasis in Ready Player One. So... There's gonna there's a there's a line you know of um, real life sports people, gaming sports people, 
And for those that are not watching in full color, I'm doing a crisscross with my hands as the chart on the XY axis reverses. And then you get more online gamers than real gamers. And then we all end up in the Oasis and we're all in um, Ready Player One. I think it will happen um, <clears throat> between Ready Player One or Wally. I think they're the two futures that we can choose. Um, the e Why not both? <laughs> maybe both. I mean, <laughs> maybe Absolutely. both. Um, MLB's media division uh, actually pay Riot. Riot to the gamers, um, game, game, one of the big games companies in the world. They pay them three hundred million a year to broadcast um, their sport, the esports. So it is even lumped in there with uh, professional sports like uh, Major League Baseball. Um, the uh, report figures um, from Insider, I read this from Insider, basketball has 825 million worldwide viewers, okay? Esports is currently at 500 million, so it's not, you know, it's about half. Uh, football is 4 billion worldwide, literally one in two people, uh, you know, obviously, Dan, you're the the one that don't, uh, loves football. Um, so you can see why Premier League teams are adopting it, Simon. You asked that question before. So, Simon, uh, do you have further questions on this? Um, no, I mean, he answered most of them, to be honest. Um, uh, you know, I was just interested in, the, in what's the sort of prize money in the biggest tournaments, Gary? You talked about 40 grand recently for a, a win. Um, I can't remember what, you, what, what it was. It was, a, it was a FIFA tournament, I believe. Was, but what's yeah. the biggest prize money? Let's let's really go to the to the big leagues. The big biggest league of is Dota. Okay, Dota 2, which is a multiplayer online battle arena. Uh, Dota itself is Defense of the Ancients. Dota 2 is, of course, the second... Uh, um, sequel to the game the prize pool for last year's tournament was just shy of 40 million dollars that was the prize pool uh with the winners taking i believe 18 percent i didn't do the maths before the podcast wow. <laughs> um but it's a lot so simon won't be on next week's show because he'll be playing dota <laughs> i mean listen i mean i could talk for 14 hours it's a strange no i don't know why i chose it um about League of Legends. I mean, this game is insane. Absolutely Not a incredible. minute more. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Um, and a lot goes into it. There's obviously a lot of investment in esports as well at the moment. It's a growing field. But uh, when this thing hits the Olympics, people will take note. And on this podcast, I'm going to report some esports news uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, thank you very much for that, Ben. Um, that eSports 101. And as you say, we are a inclusive uh, sports podcast. And that doesn't just mean all representing all people. Uh, it also means representing all sports. So we will hear more from you in the future. Um, that brings us to the end of the Meaty Middles. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Ben. Um, they've been great. And here we are. We are on to our look ahead to the week of sports that's about to hit us. And um, for those of you <clears throat> that uh, really wanted to hear what I had to say at the beginning but didn't get that chance this week, I will remember to say something <laughs> in this segment. So, um, Simon, let's start with you. What are you looking forward to uh, on the week ahead of sport? 
So, um, once again, Ben kind of stole my thunder with a lot of the big events of the weekend. So I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. And I'm just going to talk to you about the Lakers versus the Nets. So the LA Lakers versus the Brooklyn Nets, which is coming up this weekend. Um, It could, in fact, be the final um, of this year's uh, NBA. But we shall find out. I mean, sadly, literally all of the big players are injured. So... (laughs) This in itself will probably not be the best of games, um, but I think it's an interesting potential um, big heavyweight bout between you know the two big hitters in the NBA right now. Talking of the Nets, uh, I'll give you this one, Simon. How did you do against the Nets? Yes, Dan, yes. So for all that I don't know, I'm a, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan and my team swung a massive trade recently to bring in an all-star, Nikola Vucevic, uh, and then we proceeded to lose the next five games. So it didn't go very well, um, but we did absolutely smash the Brooklyn Nets this weekend. So thank you very much, Dan. Thank you for um, mentioning that one. Wish, also, Aston Villa I, beat Fulham as well. So just to say it's been a good weekend. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone would have seen that coming with the Nets, to be fair, as well. So um, well played on that for the Bulls. Um, right. Thank you, Simon. Ben, what have you got coming up this week? A heap, an absolute heap. <clears throat> Pardon me. I lost my voice a little bit from that laughter earlier. I'm still struggling to get composure. Um, this is, uh, for me, one of the big weekends in the year. It always has been since I was uh, really young. Um, obviously, always love sport, but this is the weekend where the Masters and the Grand National coincide. Uh, I appreciate the Grand National has mixed opinions, uh, but I like it as an event. Um, overall, I am a positive, I, I have positive views on horse racing. Um, and the Masters is just an incredible, absolutely stunning sporting competition played out in one of the most beautiful venues in world sport, uh, Augusta National. And uh, just one of my all time favorite. Uh, sporting weekends uh, obviously with the masters golf uh jordan spieth is back fresh off his texas win um they called him the masters boy he was kind of growing in confidence has had a bad couple of years uh but he could be a good shout for uh this weekend um it starts on thursday i'll be watching every minute um also mcelroy he's got a brand new coach um, I'm going to talk about this in a future meaty middle, but in golf, there's a, a, a player called Bryson DeChambeau, uh, for those golf fans, uh, Bryson DeChambeau polarizing. hits the ball. Very polarizing. Very polarizing. Dan literally yawning now. This guy hits the ball miles and then just chips and puts wherever it lands. I mean, that's, you know, it's probably not doing him justice. Um, well, McElroy's got a new coach to try and seek out that Deshombo power. There's loads of narratives coming along towards this Masters tournament. I am absolutely invested. It is an incredible watch. Even if you just want to relax on Sunday afternoon and watch some beautiful scenery with some uh, draw commentary, um, absolutely brilliant. Um, Champions League, there's more tomorrow night. Uh, there was some tonight. It didn't go too well, so we'll skip quickly on past that. Uh, second to last, Liverpool versus Villa. <laughs> Simon. Simon, our teams go head-to-head this uh, week. It's at Villa Park, I think. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, do That's we, what I have, do to we say. have a wager? Do we have a... Well, Do I have to I, I, wear a villa top? If I love the fact that you are you you are waiting like like 
like a little hyena in the weeds waiting because of the fact that you know very well that Jack Grealish is still injured. So you're waiting for me to bluster out some stupid bet about the idea of Aston Villa winning. Okay, if Liverpool don't win by two goals, then then you have to do something. I don't know, clean my house. I don't know. <laughs> bear, clean your house. Bear in mind that Can you, you clean my house. Games- <laughs> seven i'll clean your house anyway that's I'm not very cool. covid secure oh it's not very covid secure is it actually uh i'll come on to that in a minute because my next bit is regarding to i'll come on to it right now um what i'm excited for next week is i can get a haircut and the pubs open now i yeah, know sport pretty big is our number one focus and the pandemic has devastated lives and livelihoods we might be nearing the end, and that also might mean that we're going to see fans back where they belong in sports venues. So that's my positive news. April 12th uh, is the, hopefully the beginning of the next stage. And this week is the next round of the Formula E Championship. So we're out in Rome this time. And I'm, you know, there's, there's not much else going on uh, this weekend for me, sporting wise. So I'm going all in on Formula E. There's not been that. Many times I've watched the action and not enjoyed it. There's so many negatives in that. Essentially, what I'm saying is each time I've caught some of the action, I've enjoyed it. So I'm going I'm to check it out again. I'm going to go in on Formula E. I don't know. I, I'm, really, I'm really crap, genuinely, at following the Formula E, and I need to be better. There's some mega names in it. There's some, there's some very good racing. So I need to be better. I need to get in on it. And, uh, and that's my effort for this weekend ahead is to get in on the Rome uh, F, F Formula E GP. So that's what's coming on this weekend ahead. Who are the Megan? Who are the big names? Well, there's there's, there's loads of names. Jean-Éric Verne. There's um, oh, Ben. You you put me on the spot there. I yeah, too right. It's like the CTE bit, but... moment all over again. This is what <laughs> happens when not, you put on the spot. It's not nice. Is it, Dan? Van Dorn. Um, we ask him yeah, some big God, names. Sam time Bird, he, he Lucas Crassi, John Eric um, Verne, <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> De Costa, these are great racers. Like they're really Coffee, good racers. Starbucks. <clears throat> so um, Cher anyway, Lloyd. <laughs> Cher Lloyd, CTE's racing. Um, but yeah, Master anyway, Bates. all the big acronyms um, are racing. <laughs> oh, no, cool there one. it is. All the big names are racing in Formula E this weekend. I think I'm pretty sure um, girls allowed are racing. Oh, I don't yeah. think that is Cher Lloyd. I really don't know. Let's share someone else. Let's share Fernand. I don't know. Fernandez. Isn't Cole. that who you meant? No. Fernandez See, Cox or something. No, who do you one. mean then? No, Cher Lloyd. Should a rap? I Isn't, think because because Cheryl Cole has a relation to football. She was married at one point. That's who I'm thinking Cole, of. Cheryl Cole. The I think great British uh, English left back. One of the great of all time. In all honesty. Mm. I don't know. I don't know my uh, girls allowed from my One Direction. But that's not what we're here for. We're here for the sports. Anyway, that brings us nicely. Actually, it doesn't. It brings us horrifically, abruptly to the end of the last Wednesday of the week. Thank you so much for making it this far. If you did make it this far, you absolutely deserve a a trophy. You deserve a massive bowl of Cocoa Pops. If you want to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter at WednesdayPod, on Instagram at WednesdayPod. You can leave a message here on Anchor or comment, like, subscribe through Spotify, iTunes, etc. Um, thanks again. Be kind to each other. Stay safe. Look forward. And I can't wait to meet you all in the pub at some point next week onwards. I've been Dan. 
Or you've been Simon. <laughs> I've been Ben. Thank you. And they only just woke up. Until next week, this is the last Wednesday of the week. Bye-bye. Bye.